0: So there is uh, one announcement that I uh, forgot. Uh, We had the team leaders meeting yesterday, and uh, Miriam Martin uh, had mentioned that they could really use at least one more uh, person or a couple of you to work together to do children's church. Uh, If that's something you might be interested in, you can talk to Miriam. Uh, She does help and train with that and all the other things you would need. There's curriculum to use and follow, but... Um, I just want to make sure I I get that out, that uh, uh, she's looking for one more person to help, and and if that's not you, uh, then that's fine, but be praying that God would raise up the right people too. And speaking of praying, let's bow our heads and pray together right now. So Father God, we as your people and the sheep of your pasture uh, humbly bow before you right now. We're reminded of what the prophet Isaiah wrote when he said, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, and one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Father, it's good to be reminded today that You are still sitting on the throne. You are the Lord God Almighty, and there is... Nothing that is too difficult for you, there is nothing that happens in this world that takes you by surprise, and there is nothing that can hinder your plan from being fulfilled. So God, we are encouraged and strengthened when we're reminded that you are on the throne. And God, uh, we want to praise you right now because we know that you are the God of answered prayer. And we can all say with King David, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. And so, Father God, as we honestly look back over the course of our lives, we can see so many answered prayers. And we are so grateful for your mercy and your kindness that you show towards us. But God, I, I know it's also quite possible, very probable that there are some here this morning who are still crying out to you from the miry clay. There are some who came trudging in here this morning under the oppressive weight of some very heavy burdens. Trials that feel as if at any moment they might crush the soul. And so from the pit of destruction, they have been crying out to you, and as of yet, there is no answer. So Father, for each person here who has that kind of burden, and I may not know what they are, but you know family issues, health concerns, financial shortfalls, relational hurts, work problems, whatever they are, God, I ask for two things. First, I ask that you would teach us to persevere in prayer. Like the persistent widow pleading her case before the judge, may we continue to bombard the gates of heaven with our pleas. Lord, we don't know the reasons why you may delay in answering some of our prayers. Your ways are higher than ours and beyond our understanding. So God, we ask you to strengthen us and help us to keep on keeping on. And second, God, we know that you've given us permission to boldly enter the throne room of grace, seeking mercy to help in time of need. And so God, we seek your mercy yet again today. God, we ask that you would pour out your grace on those who carry these heavy burdens. Give them relief from their load. Help them to be able to drop their cares and their worries and their fears at the foot of the cross and release their burdens to you and as we do that as we release these things to you God what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who is against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him freely give us all things So God, may we receive this promise by faith even as we're still waiting for the answer to our prayers. Father, we want to thank you for the joy of being able to be here this morning to gather together like this to worship. Thank you for the encouragement that we gain through fellowship and the strength we receive from your word. Thank you for the gifted people who help us to lift our voices in song so that we can offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. And finally, Lord, we would ask that You would fill us afresh with Your Holy Spirit this morning. God, right now we invite the Holy Spirit to come in power to renew us. God, we need to be filled with the Spirit so that we can walk by the Spirit. There are many dangers, many temptations, many diversions but we want to be people who navigate all those victoriously as we're led by your Spirit. So fill us this morning. And in doing so, God, we ask that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that these fruit would come bursting out of our lives. God, we desire that all who know and interact with us would see you in us. And Lord, we know that our own feeble efforts cannot produce that fruit in our lives. So remind us constantly, God, that it is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So Father, fill us for your sake and for your glory. And may each and every one of us be able to say today, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. We pray this In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's grab our Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to wet my whistle while you're finding (coughs) that. So chapter 25, that's the uh, parable of the talents that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And since that time, we've been shifting our focus uh, to the benefits of being God's slave. Prior to that, we've really been uh, focusing quite hard on what it means in terms of our duties and obligations to be a slave of Christ. And you know, we tend to think of slavery only in those negative terms, that horrific ideas of of what we've seen in American uh, history. Uh, But I'm hoping that by now we're beginning to see uh, the benefit, how good it can be to be a slave of Christ. And and to get us started on that emphasis, uh, we're just going to look at that one verse again this morning. uh, Matthew um, 25, verse 23, towards the end of the parable, says this. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Father God, we just ask that you would help us again this morning to be able to understand the truth of what it means to be your slave. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we actually began looking at some of the benefits of being a slave of Christ. And what we saw then was, first of all, that your debt incurred from your sins has been paid in full. Uh, the slate has been completely wiped clean for all of those who accept by faith what Jesus Christ has done for them on the cross. And it's because of that truth that all of us then are able to lay claim and lay hold of the promise in Romans 8, where it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, there would be condemnation if there was still a debt to pay. But since Jesus paid it in full on your behalf, you owe Nothing. That's a benefit of being his slave. Then on top of that, as a slave, the master is now responsible to provide for us and and to meet our needs. Again, we looked at that last week. And and just one verse to see how he has done that. uh, 2 Peter 1.3 says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So how much of what we need do we get from him? Everything, everything in two areas, everything we need for life and godliness, that's provided for us by the Master. And then we saw that we're also under the protection of the Master, it's his job to protect all of his most valuable possessions, which Scripture makes clear is me and you. The prophet Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah 54 no weapon. That is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. That is the heritage of the servants, slaves of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Or or King David put it this way in Psalm 18. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Now, understand uh, that protection does not mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you in this life. What it means is that ultimately we will be safe in His presence. Now, another benefit that we just barely touched on last week was the fact that as a slave, you also become a member or a part of His family. I mean, we saw last week how a slave could choose to remain as a slave forever in a household rather than be set free, and at which point he was normally called a bond slave. And one of the reasons that he might choose to do that is because of the love that he has for his master. And that type of love is something that is only built through a a real and strong relationship. And that was just not an uncommon occurrence back in those days. Proverbs twenty nine twenty one says, He who pampers his slave from childhood will in the end find him to be a son. And the point of that verse is that, that if you treat your slave well, they will become like family. And, and in some recorded situations, a slave would actually supplant a son in terms of authority and even sometimes in inheritance. And that actually happened uh, enough that laws were put into place for masters to adopt slaves as their own child. And that is what happens to us spiritually. Even though we are slaves, we are adopted by God into His family as His children. Ephesians 1 put it this way, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him in, uh, in love, He predestined us, to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. So we're adopted into his family. And because of that, then the reality is that Jesus becomes our brother. God is our father. Jesus is our brother. In fact, the Bible says that we become fellow heirs or joint heirs with Jesus. We see that in Romans Chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, it says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. So a a, a fellow heir, a joint heir, means that everything that Jesus inherits, we also get to share in. And, And did you notice that that verse says that we are an heir of God? Have you ever noticed that or, or thought about that before? Have you let that think in that you are an heir of God? I mean, let that impact you for a second. H- have, you ever, have you ever dreamed of being, you know, finding some long-lost, r- super-rich relative, and, and now you're, you're named an heir? And so you know at some point, at some day, You're going to inherit all of that and you're going to have all of these resources and all of that money to deal with. Well, how much cooler is it that you have already been named an heir of God? How much stuff does God own to pass on to you? I mean, think about that. Psalm uh, 50, 12 says, For the world is mine and all it contains. And because we are an heir of God and joint heirs with Jesus, we are waiting to take possession of all that someday. that's, That's quite a benefit for being a slave of God, isn't it? And then, as brothers with Christ, what that means then is that every other believer becomes your brother and sister in Christ. You are part of a family. Now, it's an imperfect family, to be sure, uh, but it's a, a family that is learning, learning to grow together in love and grace built on the foundation of God the Father's love and grace for us. You're part of that family. And being part of a family is important because we need each other to come alongside of us as we live as slaves of Christ in this world that is enslaved to everything else but God, right? We need each other. Now, that's not to deny, you know, that God is enough, right? Uh, In one sense, He is everything we need, right? He is everything we need because He has promised, as we just noted previously, to provide everything we need. But one of the things that he provides for us that we need is a spiritual family, true fellowship with other believers. And that's why we are commanded as his slaves, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, In other words, uh, apart from real extreme circumstances, uh, like you get locked away in solitary confinement or something like that, other than that, God expects us to develop relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ because it's for our benefit and it's to our detriment that we'd isolate ourselves from other believers. So think about the ways... Having a spiritual family is a benefit to you, even an imperfect family. And actually, uh, recognizing that we're all imperfect is one of the benefits, right? There's a popular song on KSLT right now called, If We're Honest, and and one line in that song says, I'm a mess and so are you, okay? Uh, Just puts it right out there for us. We are all far from perfect. But because we know that and can honestly admit that to one another, then we can be real. We can be authentic with each other. We don't have to come to church and put on plastic faces and pretend that everything's perfect because it's not, because we're not perfect. You've heard me say it before, and this was some old preacher passed it on to me, and I'm sure he stole it from somebody else. But he said, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because then it won't be perfect anymore. We're all, we're all messed up. So, so let's be honest with each other and, and not have to pretend. That's a benefit of being able uh, to be part of this family. It helps us as we struggle to live the Christian life. Now, another benefit of being a, a slave of Christ and therefore becoming a part of this family, it means that you are not alone in what you're going through. Because here's the deal, Satan loves to make us feel like we're alone. Like we're the only one who has ever had to face whatever trial or hardship uh, is upon us at that time. But that's simply not true. 1 Peter 5, 9 says this about Satan and his lies. But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. See, you have people who are going through or have gone through the same things you're dealing with. Therefore, they can comfort and encourage and strengthen you to face the days ahead. You are not alone. You have others who are walking and stumbling and struggling and growing and maturing right along with you. And we're called by the master to be here for one another. That's a benefit of being his slave. So I- exactly what ways are we supposed to be here for one another? Well, I mean, we already saw two ways, right, when we looked at that verse in Hebrews 10. It said, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the the first uh, way to be there for one another is to figure out how to stimulate one another in two specific areas, love and good deeds. Uh, To stimulate means to spur on, to arouse, to awaken, to to stir up, to kindle, or even to incite. And and the point is, we should be there for each other in such a way that, that it keeps anyone from getting lazy or complacent in either displaying love or engaging in good deeds. We're here for each other that way. The second part of that command for us as slaves, it says, is to encourage one another. I mean, it's a real benefit to have a bunch of people around you encouraging you, isn't it? I mean, this life can get hard. Jesus warned us about that in John 15 when he said, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You see, when we align ourselves with the master as one of his slaves, we put ourselves in opposition to the world. I mean, that's just the way it is. The world and the master are going two different directions. So as long as we're still down here on on earth, uh, we we will be fighting against the flow of this world. If we're being a faithful slave, then our beliefs will be different, our values will be different, our, our priorities will be different, and our actions will be different from the world. And that's not going to endear us to the world to the point where we can expect that if we're staying true to the Master, we will experience persecution, trials, tribulation. So we need the encouragement that comes from our fellow slaves. That means as a slave, you are called to be an encourager. So what could you do to encourage someone this week? Who around you might need some encouragement? Are you paying attention? Are you looking? It's what we're called to do. Of course, there's there's many other ways that we're supposed to be there for our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? In fact, uh, if you want to add them all up, there's 47 one another commands in the Bible. Each one of them is describing how we should be interacting with our fellow believers. And basically, this is the master saying, this is what I expect from my slaves and how they should treat one another. And I'm not going to go through all 47 of them this morning, but I do want to just remind us of a few to help us understand what we're, what we're called for here um, we should be consistently praying for one another. Um, that's why prayer has become a uh, a big part of what we're doing in, in our services and and, uh, and beyond that. Galatians uh, six two says, "Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ." And if you read that verse backwards, it says the master's law is that you bear one another's burdens. Now, obviously, no one person here can bear the burdens of everybody else in the world. We would just be overwhelmed by that thought, wouldn't we? So, who has a burden that's in your path? That's in your circle or sphere of influence? What could you do to help bear that burden what action do you need to take in order to ease that for them how are you going to do that first Thessalonians 5 tells us therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing so, you see, it's not like they weren't doing these one another commands, but we need to keep them at the forefront and, and keep moving on them. Encouraging, I mean, that must be an important thing to the master because that's repeated more than any other one another command except the command to love one another. That one's re- repeated the most. And then encouraging uh, the second move. And, and, and then to build up, I mean, that goes right hand in hand with encouraging, right? So who could you build up this week? How would you get that done? When are you going to do it? I mean, you see, these are the questions that we should ask ourselves every time we come across one of these one another commands. They're practical. Uh, those uh, are how we, uh, those, those, how do we carry them out uh, questions are what makes them real in our church family. So let's look at a couple more. First Peter 4, 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Galatians 5.13, through love, serve one another. Romans 15.7 tells us, therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of me- mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And right along with that, when we be Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another or how about this one in Romans 15 therefore let us not judge one another anymore but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way and maybe you now you're going whoa 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 hold on here just a minute I, I thought this was supposed to be about benefits for me as a slave of Christ and this sounds like some great big long to-do list just you know another great big list of chores that I have to do Well, let me make just two quick comments about that. Number one, you're a slave. You should expect to do lists, right? That's what we're here for, to do the master's bidding. But number two, this is a benefit for you. Uh, Yes, I mean, uh, these are all things that we are called to do, but we understand this. Our brothers and sisters are all called to do these things for you, right? Can you imagine what that would look like? What if everyone in the church concentrated on doing all of these uh, things, all these one another's, and the uh, other 38 that I didn't get to this morning, what if we concentrated on doing those for each other? What would that do for you? How would that make you feel? What difference would that make in your life Christian walk how would that affect your ability to face the attacks of the enemy and the normal trials of life that'd be awesome wouldn't it And, and the benefit of being Christ's slave is that he has put us into a family that is working on doing exactly that but as I mentioned earlier, we're an imperfect family at best. We sometimes fail or make only half-hearted attempts. Or sometimes we simply miss the opportunity because we weren't paying attention. We weren't thinking about it. We weren't looking around us to see how we could do these things. I know it won't be until heaven that all these things are fully realized, in us but until then as we're all working and trying and sometimes failing and stumbling let me remind you of just one more one another command that might help us out Ephesians 4.32 says be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you you know because We all fall short. We need to be committed to extending forgiveness just the way God has forgiven you. So, is there someone in the family that you need to forgive? You may not feel like it. They may not deserve it, at least in your eyes. But it's what the Master calls us to do. And As you forgive, I can guarantee it will greatly benefit you in a number of ways, not the least of which is the fact that somewhere along the line you're going to need to be forgiven by somebody else. So these are incredible benefits of being a slave of Christ. But I'm going to end this Sunday the same way I ended last week, by telling you, it gets even better than this. I mean, look again at the verse that we started with today. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. What does it mean to enter into the joy of the master? Well, that's what we get to look at next Sunday. Let's pray. Father God, We are so thankful to be your slaves. So thankful for these incredible benefits that you have given us. And more yet to come. So God, it is our prayer that we would be faithful slaves. So that we can hear you say, well done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.